live. Beer Radio. The Brewing Network. The Brewcasters. If you're just starting, don't be discouraged by all this stuff. It's exactly. so easy. Just throw it yeah. together. Put yeah, some sugar and some water and some yeast in there. Yeah. Network. Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the top-tier brewing stand. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. Time for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think, Jamil Zainashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, howdy, hey, my Bruin brothers and sisters. Greetings, greetings. <laughs> yeah, the first one was the best one, you know? Yeah. Tried many other intros yeah. and yeah, the, the, the shock classic. of the first one, yes. Yeah, that's that's the one that's stuck. That's yeah. your best one. Your best one, definitely. <laughs> yeah, now you uh, uh, were chatting, you, you made a trip down to uh, south of the border. Yes, I did. I had one of the best times I've ever had in my life. Um, got invited down to the uh, first annual, I think it's first annual, uh, Ensenada Beer Fest in uh-huh. Ense- Ensenada, Mexico. Um, Ensenada. Yeah, a group of homebrewers said, hey, you know, we want to have a beer festival. We want to, you know, pour our own beers mm-hmm. and have some local food and some and some bands. And they put together just an awesome festival um the they had oh they had notified me back in november that they were planning it mm-hmm. and i think it was like then and you know i kind of waffled on it and uh you know border situation appearing to be what it is you know from the media but uh but Did i you said, took this opportunity to smuggle some guns down into mexico <laughs> to help with the uh yeah the crime problem down there something like that but uh no, but it, you know, it, I just said, yeah, I'll do it. You know, I mean, they really wanted, you know, uh, U.S. homebrewers to come down and, uh-huh. and wanted me to come down. And they they liked my book, so I said, sure, I'll be to come down. And uh, man, I was just shown the best time down there. And you know, as for all the the talk of border violence, and you know, oh, you know, America shouldn't travel down there. Mm-hmm. Good grief! I mean. It is no different than driving around downtown or, you know, Oakland or South Central, uh, I think, really, in terms of risk. You know, you're you're just one fish among 500,000 other people. So uh, it's not like you really stand out unless you go and do something stupid. So, <laughs> See, that would make me stand out right there. <laughs> I always but, do stupid things. Yeah. So, but, you know, I just I had a great time. I met – we I went, we went to several uh, – bars in in uh, tijuana that um you know catered to craft beer mm-hmm. um met some met some great brewers and you know people real passion every bit as passionate about home brewing is here in the u.s mm-hmm. and uh then went on down to we we put seven seven kegs in the back of the car and drove on down to ensenada mm-hmm. 
and to get set up for the next day for the festival. And uh, they had a, a football field size area uh, set aside, um, band stand at one end for the bands to play on, and um, I don't know, 25, mm. 30 food booths and 30 home brewers that brought their kegs and, and yeah. all set up. And just a great party all day. Now, what's the state of homebrewing there like? Is it, uh, you know, real early days, you know, as far as equipment? Or are they, they using stuff like, uh, you know, Blickman Therminator, Blickman Beer Gun, it, like our fine sponsor provides? Yeah, they, they consider it to be, you know, like 10 years behind the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's they they have all the information mm-hmm. um so i really don't think it's that far behind you know and but again because of import duties and so on it's expensive right. to import you know uh you know finished products mm-hmm. so pretty much they're they're you know building themselves uh-huh. there's a lot of do yourselfers i saw some great all grain systems you know uh two barrel type all grain systems made from you know square uh dairy tanks and other things that they had fabbed themselves mm-hmm. um and uh, they're they're turning out some good beers. Uh, yeah. There's nothing wrong with their right. with their technique. So yeah, I mean, yeah. not be as fancy as something right. you know you could see here in the states. But. I used to build my own stuff, and now I just you know I just get my the stuff that you know somebody like uh, Blickman Engineering is making. Yeah, and yeah. again, yeah, sponsor the show. So yeah, I am partial, but you know they're they're making some high end stuff at you know reasonable prices, and it's it's better than what I can build. And if I was to build it myself, it would cost me just as much, if exactly, not more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, if you get the kick out of that, then I guess uh, yeah. you know, do it. But that's what I, I mean. That's what I did when I built my fancy all green system a couple of years ago. I I spent shoot, you know, two three thousand dollars putting all the pieces together, mm-hmm. and plus time and labor, and it was right. fun. I'm glad I did it. But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm I find myself brewing on my top tier most well, often. Well, that's what I was telling you. I'm like, well, why just get yourself, uh, you know, like a Blickman system? Yeah. You know, why are you doing this? And you're like, oh no, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. And yeah. just like, it was oh, fun. But well, yeah. You know, at the end of the day, when it's like, well, it's time to brew. I'll just I'll just wheel this over here and and brew on this because it's faster. It would have been more fun to uh, probably brew more often. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, more of a kick out of uh, messing yeah. with the gear than than brewing. You yeah. Know? Um. Well, and if you're listening, uh, which you must be if you're hearing my voice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Know. Well, listening and paying attention. And paying let's, attention. Let's it, yeah. Get yourself over to BlickmanEngineering.com. Blickman with two ends. Uh, they are the the sponsor of the show that uh, you know. Pays for the show, so you don't have to uh, yep. check them out. They got a lot of great stuff, and uh, the only reason we mention them is it is it is uh, really good, really good gear, top top level, top tier, uh, so to speak. Brewing equipment, yeah, yeah, yeah. They a lot, a lot of cool stuff, and yeah. um, if you're geeking out about home brewing, um, you know, you want to get yourself there, and and you'll be amazed at the stuff that uh, creative stuff that they're making out of there. I I use it, and uh, I think it's great. Uh, well, and they had a competition there at in yeah. in Mexico. So, yeah. uh, how was that? Well, how was the overall level of the competition entries? Um, it was it was comparable to the the Sam Adams uh, homebrew competition. Mm-hmm. Um, I I had a couple really nasty infected beers, mm-hmm. but you know I've I had those at the Sam Adams homebrewing competition too. Mm-hmm. So I think a couple of bad ones, a couple of great couple ones, of just outstanding ones, yeah. and then a, a, and a bunch of thirties. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. I mean, uh-huh. um, there was 
yeah the the there really wasn't any real difference in the in mm-hmm. the quality of the entries between what I right. judge here in the U.S. and what I judge there. Well, I think you know U.S. competitions, um, which is what we're going to be talking to about today, is uh, competitions and entering competitions, and you know uh, right. uh, a lot of the the information around um, competition. Um, uh, participation or brewing or whatever and uh you know i think a lot of the competitions in the u.s today the ones that have been around for a while and get you know the more uh, active home brewers it, when i first started out you could f- you, you mm-hmm. found a number of it was like that you found a number of terrible beers yeah you found a few really outstanding ones and you found a kind of a midland pack um and now today, I think what's changed is you very rarely find something that's infected. Right. Um, yeah, I, I do, you know, judge competitions, and I there's you know nothing infected, and maybe there's something a little bit poorly made, but it's very rare to have something that drops, you know, like below a twenty, mm-hmm. and uh, you know a lot of thirties and stuff like that. And then the number of really outstanding beers up at the top have actually increased a bit. That's true. Yeah. You know. So I think the you know the ones that are getting the you know the more active uh, participants uh, mm-hmm. tend to see a little bit more of that. Cool. Uh, let's do this. Let's uh, take a short break. When we come back, um, we are going to um, uh, be talking about uh, competitions and also a new segment which I like to call "What You Don't Know About My Friend John Palmer." Coming up <laughs> after this. From the stovetop to a camp burner to some kind of brew stand. Most homebrewers follow some version of this progression. With each move, a homebrewer will often have to change a lot, if not all, of their equipment. Until now, Blickman Engineering brings you the top-tier brewing stand. The only brewing stand that grows with you. For example, buy a top-tier floor-standing burner now, and it'll bolt right to your top-tier brewing stand when you're ready for all-grain brewing. The top-tier brewing stand is perfect for 5-gallon to 20-gallon batch sizes. Its modular design is adjustable and accommodates everything from small footprint coolers up to 30-gallon pots. How does the top-tier brewing stand do it? At its core is a strong, heat-treated, and anodized aluminum main post. On all four sides are built-in T-slots for the adjustable heavy-gauge stainless steel shelves and beefy burner tiers. The tiers accommodate any manufacturer's pots or coolers up to 21 inches in diameter. Best of all, not only does the top-tier brewing stand grow with your skills and equipment, but it easily knocks down for long-term storage or transport, too. The top-tier brewing stand from Blickman Engineering. Learn more at BlickmanEngineering.com and to find a local Blickman retailer and start brewing from the top tier. Hi, I have a sixer of Lagunitas in the icebox. My roommate's gone for the weekend, and I'm wearing something flimsy. Listen, baby, I told you not to call me after 8. I'll talk to you tomorrow. I gotta go. Who is that? Your girlfriend? You loser. Set up, thug. Did you guys get the cauldron set up on the altar of my yard? Sir, if you weren't so busy getting booty calls, you'd know that. The hurricane furnace is using propane while you guys talk. All right, I'm using the scroll of Mosher to boil the first decoction. Nope, it's scorched. What do you do? Frack, scoop it out and try again. Thug, use your mass rake. You took too long. The color is now dark and past the point where you can still call it a pilsner. Yes, Ugh, I hate it when Greg's the brewmaster. What's this, Poindexter Urkel? Dude, can't you see we're in the middle of a brew session? 
Is that an actual beer? Yeah, I crafted it. I don't really use the dice anymore. I'm a 10th level beer nerd. <gasps> Are you a 10th level beer nerd? Do you belch White Labs 833 and crap Simcoe? Then you're in good company at Northern Brewer. Northern Brewer has all your beer nerd needs. Ingredients, equipment, and knowledge 24 hours a day at northernbrewer.com. Plus, fast, cheap shipping. Only $7.99 for the contiguous USA. And check out Northern Brewer's huge selection of dorky beer kits, including the Cylon Detecting 3 Hearted and the collector's item super alt. Mine's in mint condition because it's still in the box. Make 10th level at northernbrewer.com. Whether I'm making me dry stout or rebuilding me kegs, I head to the heart of dear Dublin for me homebrewing supplies. You head all the way back to Emerald Isle just for a wee batch of grain or a bit of keg tubing? No, you moronic waste deliver. Dublin, California. I go to HopTech. For 30 years, HopTech in Dublin, California has been supplying homebrewers with malt extract, fresh grains, hops, spices and sugars, hop oils and extracts, and much more. HopTech is one of the first homebrew supply shops on the internet and is proud to offer a Award-winning beer kits, both online and in their store. Mention the BN Army for a 10% discount off your order. The store is open every day except Wednesday or shop online at hoptech.com anytime. Hoptech is run by passionate, award-winning brewers who live, love, and travel for beer and bring their experience to the store for you. If you don't want to visit Dublin, just call toll-free 800-DRY-HOPS or go to hoptech.com. Visit Hoptech today in Dublin, California and at hoptech.com. Nico, listen, our lawyer said that we had to do this for one hour, and after this, we don't have to talk to each other for three more months until the, the next meeting. Kids. Come on, let's get out of here. I'm supposed to have more lines. I'm the professional. <clears throat> hey, it's Sully. And I'm Nico. And we opened the 21st Amendment 10 years ago at 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park, to make great beer and have a great time doing it. That's right, because to us, the 21st Amendment is more than just the right to make beer. It's the right to experiment, to be innovative, and just do things differently. And so now, we're putting our craft beer in cans. That's right, cans. You can find our world-famous Hell or High Watermelon Wheat Beer at Brew Free or Die IPA in the Northeast, Northwest, parts of the Midwest, and Alaska, in cans and on draft. So next time you're at your local neighborhood pub or good beer store, be sure to ask for 21st Amendment in cans. Because everyone likes it in a can. Tasty Crack Cans. Tasty Crack Cans. Hilo, what's your feel like? Take awesome and multiply it by two. Yeah! <laughs> Spraying live beer radio all over your face. <laughs> Can't get any better than this, baby. It's the Brewing Network. Back to your hosts, Jamil Zaynashev and John Palmer. Putting the testicles in technical. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. It's Brew Strong. We're talking about competitions, and now it's time for a little segment I like to call What You Don't Know About My Friend John Palmer. <laughs> this should be good. He once sang with the orchestral maneuvers in the dark at the Rose Bowl in 1988. Oh, that's true. Yeah. That was fun. What You Don't Know About My Friend John Palmer. All right, so we're talking uh, competitions. Hey. Okay, so, um, no, Jamil, you know, you... I uh, have entered a lot more competitions than I have. I mean, I did. I you know, for me, it was like I came, I saw, I won, I you know, I stopped. But for you, you 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 know, you came, I saw, I lost, I tried again. <laughs> yeah, 
No, but and, and then you really succeeded and succeeded and succeeded. So. I've entered thousands of times. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, why why do you enter? I mean, what, well, was, what was your driving force? My whole thing about entering was, um, you know, my, my first entry, I had a beer. I thought it was great. You know, and, mm-hmm. and, and usually, you know, you... You give beers to your friends, and they go, "Oh, that's fantastic! Oh, that's fantastic! Oh, that's fantastic!" That's all you yeah, hear, right? And you're like, "Well, wait a minute! This one's not nearly as good as that one. Why are they saying it's fantastic?" Well, it's because you're friends and you're yeah. sharing a beer. What are they going to say? "Oh, your beer sucks!" No, they're just going <laughs> to drink it. They're going to smile, you know. So yeah. I'm like, "Well, wait." All right, so I went, you know, I would talk to the homebrew shop guys. I'm like, you know, taste this, you know, right? What do you think? And um. You know, I have one homebrew shop where, um, you know, the the owner was very honest with me. He goes, that's good. He goes, no, this has some problems. You know, here you need to work on this. You need to try. Mm -hmm. It was very good. It was very helpful. Yeah. And there was another shop owner that uh, he was like, no, anything I turned in, he was like, nah, it's it's just okay. And I had one that I thought was really, really good. And he's like, no, it's just okay. And, uh. I'm like, well, wait a minute. I said, you know, I think that this would, you know, this is like award-winning stuff. He's like, no, don't, don't bother. Oh, I'm like, well, good. wait a minute. So I sent it down to uh, the Mayfair, Maltos Falcons. It placed. I got a third. Yeah, yeah. But it placed. I'm like, see, it was a good beer. <laughs> yeah. You know, it wasn't the greatest beer, but it was pretty darn good. And that was the first entry I ever had. And I got these really good score sheets back with it. Mm-hmm. And I said, here's why, essentially... It's good. It didn't score better. Okay. Here's why it's good. Here's the problems with it, you know, that might need changing. And so it it just dawned on me. It's like, look, I, I've got people that don't know it's me, right. you know, so it's not pe- your friends saying, oh, your beer's great. It's not, you know, somebody right. with, right. you know, some sort of agenda or something. It's just people judging beer. And, you know, they may make mistakes or something, but they, you know, they're just giving your, their opinion blindly. And you know feedback on what they think would make it a better beer. I'm like, wow, this is this is valuable information. Yeah, you know, I'm like, why has nobody ever talked about this? So I started sending my my beers in more. Actually, what I did was I took that information that they gave me on that mm-hmm. uh, third round win. I rebrewed the beer with that in mind. I sent it in the next year. That was the second competition I entered. I, ah. And I entered one beer the first year. That was just that one. I got the third. I entered it again the next year. And I got first place. Very good. And I'm like, nice. the information they gave me, I used that to change what I was doing, and my beer improved. And I could taste it myself. I'm like, wow, yeah, this is much better. I'm like, boy, I, you know, I'll send it to them again so they can try it again. And sure enough, I got, I got, you know, the feedback really helped me. And it, yeah. and it also really constructive feedback. Then, yeah, you know. yeah. And I've learned to deal with the non-constructive as well, but. Um, you know, just the the whole thing about entering the competition, it, it, it made it more fun for me and interesting. I had a, a chance to, uh, you know, learn more and get better in my hobby. Right. So that, right. for me, was, was great. Uh, you know, for other people, um, you know, sometimes, and I've entered competitions just because it supports some charity or it's, a, you know, a lot of times it's a moneymaker for the homebrew club and that's how they fund all the other things they do. Right. And so, you know, if you're a member of a club, you should enter just for that. Um, or, you know, you can support uh, some good, good uh, cause that they're, that they're uh, funding or, um, again, you know, the feedback. Some people enter for the glory of the win. Right. And, I never really kind of I enjoyed winning, but 
I never that wasn't really the reason for it was, entering. And, it was the beer first. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. towards it, it, like the last time I entered, which was a couple of years ago, it was really I was just focused on whether I was going to win or not. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I lost the whole purpose of entering, and I yeah. so that was it for me. I decided to stop before uh, uh, with that one. Yeah, I guess when I started, I was I was doing it much the same reason. I mean, you know how 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 well did I brew this beer? Um, you know, it ta- you know I think it's good. Am mm-hmm. I am I being accurate in my assessment? Mm-hmm. And uh, so yeah, one you know I had a couple beers place well, and then I became a BJCP judge and uh, you know learned to learn to judge beers better and uh, you know put down constructive. Uh, comments for people mm-hmm. and i've I've always enjoyed enjoyed judging ever since <laughs> so yeah well, so you know how can uh how can you know brewers find competitions to enter where where should they look uh well you know probably it's easier nowadays to find them because they're all listed all the bjcp registered ones you find on bjcp.org Oh, yeah. And uh, there's a whole competition list, lists the date, contact names, the whole thing. And pretty much every competition is registered there because they want BJCP judges to show up and they want to, uh, the judges want the points. So uh, they get registered with the BJCP. So you find pretty much most competitions there internationally. You know, check with your homebrew shops, check the magazines, you know, check Zymergy or, you know, if you have a, a local uh, magazine, maybe uh, like Homebrewer in, in Australia, okay. um, you know, you can uh, find out competitions that way. Uh, you know, other brewers, a lot of times, you know, somebody's mm-hmm. experienced, uh, you know, they'll know. Yeah, I guess some of the homebrew talk type forums, too, would uh, mm-hmm. competition announcements there. Sure, sure. That's a little more hit or miss, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, some competitions, but I think probably the best one is the BJCP.org. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, so what, what would make a, I mean, how how will uh, a home brewer, you know, know whether this is a good competition to send a beer to or one that, you know, one that has, will have BJCP judges versus, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, just a, may not you know what the level right, of right. the quality of judging well and that's sometimes hard to hard to know unless you've you know got other people that can give you some feedback about about that uh, competition uh you know what you do want is good quality feedback from the competition and and again if it's bjcp uh, uh um, registered then chances are they'll have some bjcp judges which will help right. um, it doesn't really guarantee anything right. but uh that's a that's a good thing you know you want to make sure you're getting good feedback you get the results in a timely manner mm-hmm. you don't want a, a competition where you send your beers in and three months later they judge it and three months after that you get the feedback because it's hard for you to know yeah you know it's nice to be able to send your beers in and within a few days they're judged they're stored cold that's a, right. a good point right. too you know, if they're going to store them properly, they judge them quickly, and they get you feedback quickly, then, you know, you can keep your beer in the fridge, and you can wait for the results, and then you can crack one open, right. and you can read through the score sheet and taste your beer at the same time. That's a lot more helpful than, you know, a six-month lag on right. information. Yeah, I, I remember sending, sending beers into competition where, based on what they were sending me back, I wasn't sure if it, what, what they were tasting was my fault. Mm-hmm. Or just poor handling, or right. once it got there, right? You know, right. haze or or oxidation or something like that. Yeah, and it's like, well, you know, if part of the testing you want is 
how well does your beer hold up after six months of warm storage? You know, that's, <laughs> that's one way to do it. Um, and also, you know, the larger competitions and with the higher number of competitors, mm-hmm. if you're in a really small competition and you're like, yeah, I got first place. It's like, well, yeah, you're first out of two in the category. So, <laughs> you know, uh, a lot of times, I mean, that's not that bad, but it doesn't, you know, mean anything. As far as you know, giving you a sense of where your beer is fitting in with all the others, right. scores don't do that necessarily either. We'll talk about you know results and and how that uh, how to read those. But you know, with enough competitors, you know, and enough uh, entries in there, you want like a competition that has like at least a hundred entries. Uh, that was always kind of my cutoff. Uh, if it didn't have a hundred entries, then you know it was so, a, a little small. But sometimes you know you support the smaller ones just because um, you know. They're trying yep. to get off the ground, but That's right. the best ones I think are, are bigger than that, and you get you tend to get you know, higher caliber judges. You tend to get um, you know uh, a little more competition that kind of refines what the uh, the feedback's going to be. Yeah, how, how do you prepare your beers for competition? Well, and that's that's the trick. Uh, you know, you need to decide on um, you know which beers to enter first, right? And that's going to be based off of um, you know, is this the one that you feel is a great beer and you're not really sure, or, you know, you're, you're desperate for the ones you really want feedback on. Right. If you got a beer that you've already entered numerous times, you've tweaked it based on, on feedback and it's, you know, it's perfect. Entering it again doesn't really do a whole lot for you unless, unless you want to win some medals or something like that. And that's, that's fine. But, um, I would focus on the ones that you want feedback on, um, and you know beers that you think are are potentially winners yeah you know if yeah. it's if you feel it's so rough that it's not gonna do anything it doesn't have a chance to win then maybe you should try refining it yourself first mm-hmm. uh you should be able to get it to a point where you think okay well this is kind of competitive but if you're completely confused as to you know god what do i do to fix this i have no idea you know go ahead and send it in mm-hmm. you know it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be a winner it's just um you know, you need to, you know, a lot of times you can save the judges and yourself a lot of hassle and expense by just, you know, working on it yourself and uh, trying to get it to that point where it's close. You know, what little right. tweaks do you need to really make it outstanding? Uh, keep in mind that, you know, for most competitions, you're limited to one entry per subcategory or one entry per category. There might be other limits. You know, they, they right. may exclude certain categories. Like you mentioned, the long shot, they uh, often don't do every category. Right. Um, and, you know, especially as you're deciding what beer center, you know, if you enter a, a crap beer, don't expect to you know, win with that thing. Right. <laughs> yeah. Winning is about, you know, having a decent beer to, to start with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, should you be shooting for best of show when you're entering, or, or well, I guess it depends I think on... you always should be. Yeah. When you're brewing, I mean, mm-hmm. you should be shooting for a best of show caliber beer, right? Every time. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, you, you may not be hitting that, but that should be the eventual goal, you know, beers of that quality. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you know, why are you brewing? If you're just brewing to have fun, that's cool. But, you know, wouldn't it be even more fun if it was a really great beer that you were brewing that's true yeah. right so yeah you just you, i think you just want to keep you know heading up in and you know shooting for higher quality um 
another thing uh, you're going to want to do in in um, you know preparing beers for entry, you need to look at uh, you know the conditioning of the beer, carbonation. Has it uh, you know settled out and become clear, or did you filter it, or something like that? Um, I'm a firm believer in every beer can use a little bit of you know conditioning time, lagering time, whatever you want to call it, right? Uh, between being brewed and packaged and uh, before it's ready for best presentation. Okay, some time in the bottle just to rest and so on. Yeah, and I think um, you know, partic- very fine particulate matter will settle out, you know, mm-hmm. and the head will improve and things like that. Uh, of course, if you have bacteria in there, it can you know get worse. But uh, you know, you want to. Uh, every beer has its its amount of time. The the really pale beers tend to have a very short lifespan. And the darker beers, beers tend to have a little bit longer one, so you know, keep that in mind as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, when you sent beers in, did you usually counter pressure or did you usually bottle prime? I almost always, well, I pretty much always uh, counter pressure filled. Yeah, you know, or now I use a Blickman beer gun, right? And stuff. Yeah, that's true. Those are, those are which here. isn't really counter pressure; it's uh, quiescent filling. Ah, good term. I Blickman came up with it. I don't oh, okay. yeah. Um, that, that makes more sense, really. I think it may even be trademarked or something. I don't know. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's um, uh, so I, I I'd use that um, to to fill them just because I had more control over carbonation levels. Mm-hmm. I could dial it in exactly per beer. Yeah, and when it tasted perfect, you know, you you want to taste your beers before you enter them. Yeah, just so you have an idea of what you're entering. A lot of times, people will package beers up. And they're like, well, you know, two months ago, this was a great beer. I'm going to enter this. And then yeah. they enter it, and then you get, you know, oh, it's sour, it's infected. And they're like, well, no, it isn't. You know, it's a great beer. Right. And they never taste it. Yeah. And they go, oh, the judges are stupid. It's like, well, taste it before you enter it. Taste it after you get your feedback. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that that's you know quite helpful, I think. Yeah. I think when I when I judge beers, I mean, I always look. I always make a point of looking at the bottom of the bottle, see if there's yeast on the bottom, mm-hmm. you know, so I can, you know, kind of get get in my mind. Okay, if I pour this and there's haze, is it yeast haze? You know, mm-hmm. am I pouring disturbed yeast? Mm-hmm. If I smell some, you know, if I taste yeasty flavors, is it because simply that you know the bo- the beer is poorly handled right up, you know, when it was brought to the table, mm-hmm. and there's some yeast stirred up in the beer. Or you know, is there? Or is a, it something you did last night? Or yeah, right. something you know, or, or something else? Or you know, uh, fundamentally wrong with the beer. Mm-hmm. So um, I would, I guess, what, I, what I'm going for is you know, tell uh, people entering competitions is don't feel like you have to counter pressure your mm-hmm. bottles. Right. You can you can bottle condition. You can send in bottle conditioned beers. Nothing wrong with that. Just um, if when you get your score sheets and people, you know, make comment on, mm-hmm. oh, you know, beer was cloudy or, you know, different off flavors, right. um, you know, take that with a grain of salt, you know, right. think about what. Well, and don't blame the judges. Yeah. Because it's not the judges are shaking it up. It's, right. Everybody's pouring very carefully. and Right. And you can't, um, you know, blame it on the competition either because, you know, the beers will come in shook up or, you know, there's a lot of handling going on. Right. And it's just, you know, it's not their responsibility to make sure you're. You know, getting the right amount of yeast in there. If you're yeah. bottle conditioning, you know, it takes a very small amount of yeast to properly bottle condition a beer. Right. And, you know, if you look at a Sierra Nevada beer, they get that fine powdery layer across the bottom of the bottle. That's just barely, it looks like it's just a couple of cells deep. 
Mm-hmm. You know, that's about all it takes. Yeah. And it'll, you know, stick to the bottom of the bottle and you won't have a problem. Yeah. But if you've got, you know, a quarter inch of sediment in there, yeah, you know, it's true. way too much. And most most home brewers, when they bottle condition, they have way too much yeast in the beer. And it's that's true. just a big, and it, you know, it, it shortens the shelf life of your beer too, because that's going to break down and it's just going to barf up a whole bunch of stuff in your beer. That's yeah. going to be be pretty bad. Whereas if you do a small amount, you know, that flavor impact later on when the yeast die is, you know, much less. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, what, um, when it comes to bottling, you know, how do you, what, what are your, um, thoughts on, you know, how to bottle the beer and what, what kind of bottles to use? Well, um, yeah, I think that's an important point. That's a good question. Um, you know, when a competition has its rules, generally they will spell out what kind of bottles are allowed. Sometimes they okay. won't allow the swing top. Sometimes they will, um, you know, raised lettering, things like that. Uh, I always went and bought a case of new amber 12-ounce bottles for mm-hmm. competition. That way you're sure they're clean. You can yeah. sanitize them and, you know, you don't have any problem. If there's any sort of material in there, just a, a tiny bit. If you're going to reuse bottles, you've got to make sure those things are spotless inside. Right. And, you know, if you're going to use them for competition. Otherwise, you know, you could be infecting beer and, you know, it's it's not that great. Um, you always follow the competition directions as far as, you know, the bottles and all. And... Um, clean and sanitize them uh, completely and uh, like i said I, i'm using the blickman beer gun now but um you know a good counter pressure filler or something like that in a clean environment you know you can um you know just slap your beer into a you know a bottle using some other method or a piece of hose or something like that but you know just like uh, you can Jamil perform- recommend slapping your beer with a piece of hose slapping slapping it with a piece of hose yeah, you always want to slap it with a piece of hose, um, but uh, you, uh, you know, but it's the same. You know, you can perform brain surgery with a with a hand drill and a spoon, but you know, is that really the best way to to go about it? You know, you, you know, if if your beer is important to you, you will take the the time and the steps to make sure that you know when you do. Uh, you know, package it up. You know, package it with pride. Yeah, and yeah. especially if it's if it's gonna, you know, people go, well, McDole just you know runs out a piece of tubing, and yeah, and you know, I don't think his. I think you know the beers that he makes, you know, be fantastic, and you know, he hasn't quite had the success in the NHC that some of the others of us have, right? Yeah. And I think the difference is the way he bottles his beer that for competition. Be, yeah. He pours it out of a piece of tubing into a bottle, caps it, and sends it in. And they sit for you know a couple of weeks, right. especially second round. You know, he'll do yeah. good in the first round. Second round, he does okay. Mm-hmm. You know, his beer's great, so he's doing okay. But he could do a lot better if I think he took that one further step, made sure all his packaging, you know, process his tubing and everything. Right. Going to the bottle, he used a, you know, a beer gun or something yeah. like that, purged the oxygen, you know, uh, took the time to do that, he would win a lot more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, why pay for the entries, brew the beer, do all that stuff, and then shortchange yourself when it comes on that to the step? Bottle, yeah. yeah. And, and I think that was, you know, a big difference uh, uh, for me when, when I was uh, entering. You know, I kept... You know, I paid attention to how that was was going on. Um, 
you know, if you're interested in, uh, you know, learn more about that. We did a counterpressure filling show. That's right. Yeah. Uh, on Bruce Strong uh, some time back, and you can find that in the archives at uh, theburnnetwork.com. Just click on the uh, Bruce Strong show, and and you can search the ar- archives for counterpressure or filling or something like that. It should pick it up. And uh, one other thing that I really uh, recommend is once you've got your beers packaged up, uh, keep them cold. They're packaged. Don't Definitely. let them sit in the garage now for, you know, if it needs to right. carbonate, sure. I understand right. that. But um, if you're counterpressure filling or something like that, immediately, and or, you know, once they're properly carbonated, immediately go to cold storage. Right. And, you know, keep them cold as long as you can. You know, get them to the competition, you know, timely manner. And then, um, you know, I think you, you have a chance. Yeah. It really, because that's, that's where um, you can be, um, your your entry can be mis, mishandled. You know, if you send it in too early or send it in too late, um, and you can it can suffer from oxidation damage or heat damage mm-hmm. from uh, poor um, poor temperature control. Right, right. It's um, you know, Bamforth is fond of saying, you know, every ten degrees C, you know, shortens the life of your beer that much. Right, you know, doubles right. the halves the life of your beer. Yep. All right, let's do this. Let's take a short break, and when we come back, we will get more into uh, competition, shipping, things like that. Cool. Back after this. Hi, I'm Jamel Zanishef, and in addition to my work on the Brewing Network, I write the style profile column in every issue of Brew Your Own Magazine. Hi, I'm Sean Paxton, and when I'm not prepping for the home brewed chef on the Brewing Network, you can find me writing articles on how to cook with your home brew for Brew Your Own magazine. Greetings, cretins. This is John Palmer, and when I'm not writing for Brew Your Own, I'm reading it. John Palmer, Sean Paxton, Jamil Zanishev. If you love listening to them on the Brewing Network, you'll love reading their articles, tips, and recipes in the pages of Brew Your Own magazine. Join Jamil, John, and Sean eight times a year in Brew Your Own. And when you subscribe to BYO on the Brewing Network website, half of your subscription price goes right back to the BN to support great beer and food programming. So sign up for Brew Your Own magazine through the BN website today so you can listen and read your way to better homebrew. Hi, this is Push from the Brewing Network, and I want to tell you about the Brewmaster's Warehouse and how you can get 10% off your next order. I'm a pretty techie guy, but I've never seen an online store like this. It's awesome. Go to brewmasterswarehouse.com and click on Brew Builder. You can whip up a custom recipe so easily even Sven could do it. Seriously, it's slick. You can share your recipe with your own logo and notes to the Brewmaster's database if you want. And the best part, it keeps a running tally of the beer you're building while you're doing it. Then, bam, click Buy Recipe, and your cart is filled and ready to go with helpful suggestions in case you forgot something. This thing is amazing. Brewmaster's Warehouse is run the way a home brewer would do it, with great service, fast turnaround, and $6.99 flat rate shipping. Brewmaster's Warehouse and the Brew Builder blew me away. Check it out today at brewmasterswarehouse.com. I'm serious. And don't forget to put BNARMY in the discount code box for 10% off your order. Check out brewmasterswarehouse.com. Cheers. Hey, Push, the new brewery's looking good. Thanks, Finn. Piece by piece. Well, let's fire up. Whoa! Is that a new kettle? Yeah, just got it brand new, but paid half price. What? And that blade scale? 40% off. The new tap handle? Five bucks instead of 13. 
Got a new regulator for the brew stand, too, but five bucks instead of 25. Dude, where are you stealing all this stuff from? Where else? The more beer deal of the day. Announcing the Beer, Beer, and More Beer Deal of the Day. Every day, a new fantastic deal from big items to small that will blow you away. Boil kettles, carboy carriers, sterile siphon starters, digital timers. Watch morebeer.com every day for a new deal, and you just might find the item you've been waiting for at a price you cannot believe. Hurry, because stock is limited on most items. And that sweet Guinness cap, let me guess. The The More Beer beer Deal deal of the day. Day. Yeah, I knew it. Come on, let's brew something. Find the More Beer Deal of the Day at morebeer.com. Celebrity Voices Impersonated. Since 1921, Mundins has been a provider of quality malted grain and extract. What did he just say? What did he say? That's 90 years of locally sourced grain for home brewers and professional brewers alike. All farm within 50 miles of our malt houses. What? I can't understand what this guy said. last part. Whole and crushed malts, including wheat and peated malt, liquid extract, hopped and unhopped, as well as dried malt extract. Everything from beginner home brewer kits to all the ingredients an infant's home brewer needs. Something about trains? What? Language is this guy speaking? He's from Austria. <laughs> Mundins is proudly serving brewers in 54 countries and honored to be a leader in malting. Can you understand this guy? No. <laughs> That's a really weird language. From Muntins Malt and Malt Extract at your local home brew shop. Muntins for brewing, distilling, and baking. Quality malted grain and extract for 90 years. Make your malt Muntins. You're listening to the Brewing Network. Back to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys. Brew strong. All right, we're back. Hey, pasa, qué pasa? <laughs> talking, talking uh, competitions. You know, uh, we're going to be at the uh, that Cleveland uh, International Beer Fest. Yeah, and that's gonna be a good time. Uh, yeah, it's coming up in May thirteenth uh, and fourteenth uh, at the IX Center, and um, I, I believe there's a competition associated with that as well. They're going to have some awards or something. Uh, All right, I guess that's one of the things we're going to do. Uh, we're going to do a, a live broadcast of Bruce Strong there. Uh, you and I, uh, okay. May 13th, and that's going to be from 8 to 9 o'clock in the evening. Oh, okay. Uh, so late night there. We'll yeah. Be, uh, well, you know, it's we'll only 6 o'clock form. our time. So. Yeah, right. We'll be in rare form by then. Um, you know, yeah, there'll be a lot of lot of drinking going on. And then um, we'll do um, the awards ceremony. That's going to be uh, on Saturday the 14th uh, from 2 to 3.30 and then uh, I'm going to host a uh, a VIP experience session uh, uh, for an hour. What am I going to s- do? Sometime between 7 and 11 p.m., um, the exact time to be determined. They said they'd give me like a list of every brewery they were dealing with for this thing, uh-huh. and I could pick uh, my own beers from that thing to have at this uh, experience. Oh, thing. I see. So, okay. okay. Well, sounds be, sounds pretty cool to me. For that. Yeah, I don't. I don't know who's flying in when or what or, you know, it's it's all so confusing to me. The times were different before oh, when okay. I was talking about when I determined my flights. Now it looks like everything's later and earlier, and I could have just gone with the other flights. So I don't know. Uh, hard, but I'll probably be there like all week. Yeah, 
We'll wing it. We'll do, we'll do like yeah. we usually do. Should be fun. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, they got some sort of award ceremony. So I there's got to be some sort of competition there, going on. Yeah. It's a fun place. Yeah. Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Home of the Cleveland Steamer. Yes. All right. Uh, competitions. Where were we, John? I think we were getting ready to ship our beer to the competition. All right. So, yeah, you've determined your what beer you're going to enter. You've bottled it properly, paying due respect to all the effort you've put into yep. brewing this thing. Purging the headspace, right. you know, keeping the oxygen out, keeping it cold, mm-hmm. you know, doing everything you can. Clean to, bottles. Yeah. Sanitary bottles. Send no, a good entry. Used labels all over the, the, the darn thing. Good caps. Use oxy caps. Yeah. You know, it's a few pennies more, you know, again, if you're, you know, if you're passionate about your beer, you know, take the, the time and the money to, you know, do it right. For shipping, the the thing that annoyed the daylights out of me running competitions is the, you know, slapdash way people put their shipping together and, uh-huh. and the way they go about it. It's really simple. You use a, a strong cardboard box about, uh, you know, two inches um, above and below and around the beers, you know, so size it that way. Okay. Um, so you have a, about that amount of effort or or space. You would uh, I get some twelve inch bubble wrap, you know, with the three eighths inch bubbles on it. Okay, the small. Ones. And then yeah, you you roll your bottle in a sheet of that bubble wrap tight, mm-hmm. and then you tape it down. And it's it's one or two squares, like a foot or two. It depends on on uh, you know what you're doing. Um, you tape that 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 shut with one piece of tape. Okay, you don't rubber Just band one. it shut because then it's going to loosen. But one little square of of tape, you know, shipping tape to hold it shut. I've seen people wrap the bottle from head to toe in tape, uh, and it's impossible to open up. You know, you got to get a knife out. You got to all, and you're just pissing off your your the handlers the handlers yeah. of your beer so you know maybe it's not handled quite so gently past that point you need to turn it upside down trying to cut the tape off of it they're shaking the daylights oh, yeah. out of it trying yeah. to get it get it open make it easy on them you don't want it to break but you don't want to you know entomb the thing so it, it becomes like <laughs> an archaeological dig yeah um all right so you've got your your you know you've put your labels on the bottle with a single rubber band or however the competition is asking you to do it. Mm-hmm. And then you, you know, put your bubble wrap on, piece of tape. Then your box, you're going to lay a pad of crumpled newspaper across the bottom of the box. Nice and dense, right? Right. Uh, so it's, it's uh, you know, uh, can hold up the weight of the bottles. You put your bottles in there. Don't use peanuts of any kind. Doesn't, I don't care if they're recyclable, biodegradable, you know, they just make a mess. With it, yeah, it's a nightmare again for the for the uh, Sellerman. Yeah, yeah, and they and they need to get rid of those after they need to collect them. They need to turn them in somewhere. It's just horrible. Crumpled newspaper works beautifully. So you, your beers in the box, and then you're gonna fill around the outside of the of the beers. You know, mm-hmm. between the outside of the box and the beers, you're gonna pack it tight <laughs> with more crumpled newspaper. You crumple, take a sheet, a single sheet, crumple it up into a tight ball, and then stuff that in there. And you stuff these in there until the bottles cannot move horizontally at all. Can't it's wiggle. tight in the box. Okay. You shake the box, they don't move, right? If the, the, the trick is to get them to where they're not going to move horizontally or vertically. 
Right. So after you got them all in tight that way, you pack a tight layer on top of two inches of crumpled newspaper, and then they can't go up and down, you know, vertically. If the beers cannot clank together, they won't break. I have shipped thousands and thousands of bottles around, <laughs> never had a single one break. Good. Okay. So tight, nice and tight is the trick. Keep them from shifting around. And, um, you know, as long as they don't, uh, uh, you know, shift, they won't break. Loose packing equals broken bottles. So tight. Um, you know, if you have a lot of headspace in your box, uh, uh, you can fill it up with those air pillow, uh, plastic air pillow things. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you can do newspaper, whatever. Simpler sometimes is just to cut down the sides of the box and uh-huh. just fold them in. Okay. And, uh, you know, make a make for a smaller box. And but you still cool. need that, that, you need some sort of a barrier or insulator just other than the cardboard itself, whether it's like a uh, right. newspaper or yeah. bubble, uh, bubble pads. Yeah. Because otherwise they end up hitting the bottle caps. Exactly. And if something taps on it hard enough it breaks yeah you know if something taps on the bottom it breaks if you know the bottles themselves tap together you mm-hmm. know the bubble wrap on them that you've put on them you know that and if you press them together really tight it becomes one unit and it's not going to break yeah you know you're not going to break it by squeezing it you're going to break it by letting it shift building up momentum and then smacking against something yeah. i've so, seen boxes too where the the, the people have taped Tape the top of the box thoroughly, and not the bottom, and not the bottom. There's you just lift one it up, and yeah. yeah, and the bottom comes comes loose. Yeah, so packing tape again. Don't entomb the thing, mm-hmm. but you know, three strips of tape across the bottom, right. three strips of tape across the top, and that'll, that'll hold it. <laughs> and you're ready for the circus at that point. Um, I messed up on a joke, Sorry. and uh, <laughs> and uh, you know if you're if you want to. Um, I never had to do this because my bottles didn't break. If you if you want to, you can actually you know first line the box with a uh, trash bag uh, to oh. hold in any le- liquid in case you have a break. That's a good idea. But if you're you know don't don't ship swing top bottles, they're gonna leak. Uh-huh. You know, make sure you're capping the the bottle nice and tight. After you've capped it, you can hold it under a bucket of water inside a bucket of water, and you can see if there's any bubbles coming out. Mm-hmm. You know, then your your cap's not tight. You know, you shouldn't have a drop of liquid coming out of these things um, if if it's done properly. Okay. Um, and are we going to have these couriered by nuns or? Yes. Okay. Nuns. Uh, naked nuns. No, no, no. Um, you know, y- you can send them uh, through the shipping companies, you know, UPS or FedEx. You have to be wary the, or aware that um, they are only legally able to ship from and to certain states. So certain states have certain regulations that allow the shippers to ship alcohol from, let's say, California to like five other states mm-hmm. or from 30 states into California. You know, uh-huh. it just depends on, you know, what, what state you're in and what state you're shipping to or whether it's within the state. They have different differing rules based on that. Well, should they, I mean, I, I've always heard, you know, don't say beer on the box. Say yeast mm-hmm. samples. I mean, is there any truth to that? Or it, you know, I tried that and that just flagged it as beer. Uh-huh. You know, they're just like, yeah, it's beer. You know, it's not yeast samples. 
Yeah. I would just, you know, what I would do in the past was um, just go online. Liquid, liquid well-wrapped or something like that. If it's packed to where it's not going to break and mm-hmm. it doesn't shift and clank and stuff like that, I just go online and I don't tell them what it is. I just ship it. Yeah. It's a package. It needs mm-hmm. to be shipped. It's nothing hazardous. Yeah, just say nothing hazardous. Right. I just, uh, and you know, people do that with uh, USPS, and I guess that is technically illegal to ship uh, USPS. Okay. Uh, at least at this at this date and time. Mm-hmm. I know there's efforts out there to uh, legalize it, but um, you just, uh, you know, again, um, uh, yeah, that's, that's if, if you pack it well, then you're not going to raise the question. In other words, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. If it's well packed, they'll they'll have no reason to suspect that this is something that they don't want to ship. Right? Yeah. If you're shipping something that looks like the Unabomber packed it, you yeah. know, and you've you've pasted stamps all over it, you know, the, the the post office won't take. You can't drop off a package that has stamps on it that right. weighs over thirteen ounces. Right. You have to, um, you know, go online and print it out, so you're responsible for it. They can track it back to you. Right. So, you know, just be aware that, uh, you know, that, that can be illegal. So you want to uh, pick your competitions wisely to, so you can take advantage of shipping if you need to or, mm-hmm. um, you know, ones that you can hand deliver to. That's that's good, too. Saves you some money yeah. and uh, you can ensure it gets there in a timely manner and, and well handled. I used to drive entries to and from Southern California. Oh. I'd drive them down and uh, I'd, I'd pick up entries from uh, – uh, the clubs down there and bring them back up and you know for uh the anchor uh homebrew club of the year thing i used to pick up uh you know quaff entries fountain maltos falcons entries bring them up used to take uh entries <laughs> down there for them and you know people uh, people help out and if you have enough people in an area and i would take down entries for like the mayfair from people oh, yeah. up here yep. and if we've got you know a van full of entries, taking it down. Yeah, you you chip in. You know, it's going to cost you fifty bucks to ship it. It's like, well, here's twenty. You know, for gas. Yeah. And you get a, a number of people to do it. It, you know, works out quite well. Although the price of gas nowadays, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I guess we, you know, we've we've shipped our beers to the competition. Um. So what what uh, what should what should our brewers be looking for in their score sheets? All right, so uh, score sheets, you know, generally you want to have some patience until you get those back. You know, you don't want to hassle the, the competition, but, you know, t- timely results are, yeah. are important, right? Yeah. So you get out of beer, you you sit down with your score sheet. Um, again, this is the most valuable part of entering a competition. This, mm-hmm. is, this is really what you're paying for. So, um, you know, don't hold it in such high esteem that, you know, you think it's the last word on your beer because, um, you know, even the best judge will at time to time write a stupid score sheet. Yeah. So don't freak out if one score sheet says your beer's terrible or, you know, don't, you know, go nuts if, uh, you know, one score sheet says your beer's the best in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why I like to enter a beer multiple times and get you know enough get feedback. Opinions, yeah, yeah and different competitions, different sets of judges, and you're like, okay, in different regions, even different parts right, of the country, right. you get kind of a different feel uh, for different beers, <coughs> and um, you know that way you isolate out the, the you can throw out the highest score sheets and throw out the really low ones, right. and see what the the other ones say. Now sometimes, I mean, not throw them out. 
you know, read those, but don't freak out if it's, you know, seems unusual. If they're saying the same thing, it might be a more, the more experienced judges tend to have a wider scoring range. They right. will score, you know, um, beers higher and beers lower. Then newer judges tend to sit all in that 25 to 35 point range. Right, right. And then judges with experience go from like 13 to 50. Okay. So, yeah. uh, you know, so they may just be scoring it more appropriately. Um, and that's the other thing. Score is pretty much irrelevant. It's just a measure of what's going on that day in that flight. Okay. You cannot take a one score in one competition and compare it to one score in another competition. You can't get upset say, if somebody said, okay, this is only a 32, right. and the other competition scored at a 38. Right, exactly. It's just maybe the scores are running a little lower that time. Mm-hmm. It's not like you know one is better than the other. So uh, you know, get excited when you're in the 40s you yep. know? Um, and look at your process. If you know, all your scores are coming back below 30, then... And, you know, and every time you enter, it's always below 30. Yeah, then I'd you know, take a long, hard look at what you're doing, and there's a lot of improvement you can do in your process. Right. And you know, anything in the 30s is just, yeah, it's kind of noise. You, know, you, you need to start looking at the feedback and see, okay, now how can I get this to a point where it's always scoring in the 40s? Right. Yeah. Look for, look for comments like uh, phenolics, Brett infection, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. things. Things that you know you can ad- readily address in your process, better with your mm-hmm. better sanitation and so on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, what I like to do is you know again look through sets of of score sheets, and sometimes you'll have one person say, oh, "I smell diacetyl," mm-hmm. and the other nine sheets never mention it. Uh, it's like, eh, probably no diacetyl problem, right? You know. Sometimes people say needs more roast. Others will say <laughs> too much roast, and others will say you know did you add roast? And <laughs> and you're like okay, well then I can just ignore all those roast comments. Yeah, you know yeah. unless you see a trend starting, you know one way. Or you, so you want to kind of look at the trends. Sometimes you know everybody will say you know carbonation too low, carbonation too low. Every sheet says carbonation too low. Your carbonation's too low. Right. You know whether you. You know, <laughs> thought it's, so or not. But. Yeah. And it may be, you know, your bottle was leaking. It may be, you know, something else. Right. But, you know, you, you ought to look at that and kind of figure out why is that? Uh, why is that happening? Why is everybody saying my carbonation is too low when I thought it was fine? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, maybe it's your understanding of, you know, what that style requires or, you know, your preference versus, you know, others. Um, that, that can be... Um, you know, an issue, mm-hmm. you know, flight order makes a big difference too. Sometimes that's true. Your beer could have been at the beginning of the flight or the end of the flight. And, you know, that's one thing that people, um, sometimes the, the, or, the competitions will put on the score on the flight summary sheet. They'll tell you, you were number one of eight. Oh yeah. You were you know, five of eight. Um, you know, and there's a lot of debate as being the first or the last, Mm-hmm. You know, the first one tends to get a little shortchanged, I think. Right, right. But you know, good judges will go back and say, ah, you know, they'll they'll say, yeah, you know, we right. Maybe that was uh, a little harsh or something like that. Yeah, and that's that's been my experience in judging. Where you know, you're you're hesitant. You know, you get that first beer and it's really good. Mm-hmm. You're hesitant to give it a really high score because you think, well, 
either everything may be as good or maybe I'm just, you know, my palate's a little new right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then, uh, but you know, toward the, at the end of the flight, then everybody goes back and say, okay, our score is consistent. And uh, I, I think, you know, judging for for people entering competitions, I think they should uh, be reassured that judges, you know, know that and they do talk about, you know, the the flight of beers and, you know, did we did we grade each of the beers uh, correctly relative to each other? Because mm-hmm. I know I know we've gone back and said, okay, you know, number eight scored this high, but I think number one, you know, probably needs to be bumped up there because I think one was very comparable or even superior to number eight. Well, and you will see score sheet changes sometimes. You'll see yep. where they erased a score and then they, they've changed it. Or some people who do their score sheets in pen, I, I don't quite understand that. They'll cross it out and change the number. And sometimes it is they added wrong. Yeah, that happens. <laughs> and, you know, they they look at it and they go, well, okay, so that's why the final number changes. Or sometimes the final number didn't change and the other numbers did change. It's because they just added wrong and it, but they really believe that's the score it's they're like yeah and i really feel this is a 35 and they change the score. it doesn't matter how they come up with the score mm-hmm. they could do individual scores and then just count those up and go that's the score or they can come up with a a score and kind of adjust the numbers to to mm-hmm. fit in that i kind of do a, a mental thing i'll i score each section individually and then i count it up and i say okay is this a 28 uh yeah it is or you know, oh no twenty eight's a little too low it's more like a thirty two and I'll right. find four points to add in there and then right. I'll call it a thirty two so yeah. you know it's kind of you know checks and balances different judges do it different ways but yeah. if you see changes don't freak out sometimes you're sitting with uh, other judges and you you've got them. a much lower score or a much higher score and uh, yeah they say oh I tasted uh, you know acetone. Mm-hmm. And you're like, really? I didn't get that. And they go, well, you know, now it's warmed up a little bit. You know, try it. Oh yeah, now now I get it. I see why you are, yeah. you know, ten points lower than me. Yeah, that really is offensive. Okay, I I don't know how I missed that in the first place. And then you know, people, you know, they'll change their scores. They want to be within seven points, sometimes five points. Right. And uh, you know, the judges are not supposed to talk with each other until after they've scored it independently. Right. And they talk and adjust, and I think that that's mm-hmm. you know useful. Yeah, kind of come to a consensus. Yeah, that 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 does happen frequently. I know in, in my own uh, judging experiences where um, I'll score something low or I'll score something high, mm-hmm. and then it's like, oh, I didn't get that, and you you find find your ten points different from each other, and mm-hmm. um, sometimes it's a, it's a realization that the beer isn't you know while it's a very good drinking beer, it is not as is as well fitted to the style mm-hmm. as you know you may have initially thought when you when we go over the uh, the guidelines and so on right and you realize okay okay i thought it was a really good beer but i need to i need to bring it down a little bit and get within seven of the other judges because it is not a, not a great example of the style you know and that's what we're what really what we're judging too mm. uh at the at, you know at the end of the day we're mm. we're trying to judge these beers to a to a, a standard mm-hmm. and so you'll see score sheet changes based on that too well and uh, you know you'll see other things that uh, sometimes I, th- I think are just totally idiotic you know, judges that put um, stuff like you did this or you did that you, they don't know I mean right. they're, you know I, I had um, 
And a score sheet. Somebody says, well, you need to use roast barley in, you know, a stout or whatever it was. Or Russian Imperial stout, you know, you, you need to put roast barley in it. It's like, well, it's got a pound and five gallons. I think that's plenty. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> or whatever it might be. You know, it's just the dumbest comment I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't know what's in there. If you really think you know absolutely everything that's in a beer, you, you got another thing coming to you. Um, you know, I I would, uh, you know, counter pressure fill a bottle and, you know, a couple of years later, maybe that gets entered. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, I would taste one of them and make sure they were good. And then I would go ahead and enter them. And I would get, you know, comments on the score sheets to say bottle conditioned. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, it's not. <laughs> you know, yeah. that was counter pressure filled. And they see a fine layer of dust, and they think, you know, oh, it's, they think they know. It's like, yeah. well, they don't. And judges shouldn't do that. They should just kind of tell you what they actually detect and not guess about your process. Right. They can, you know, offer helpful comments, mm-hmm. but, you know. Yeah. Uh, when you look at your score sheets, you should, you, they should never see their beer marked down because it was bottle conditioned or counter pressure filled i mean right or they'll say counter pressure filled it's like it, it doesn't matter to you as a right. judge why are you writing this down mm-hmm. you know just judge the beer that's in your cup you know don't worry about the package that's why you know sometimes they'll write down oh clear bottle you know blue bottle whatever swing top mm-hmm. it's like well yeah those are yeah that's why you don't want to use those kind of bottles because it's a red flag to judges that you don't care about your beer uh, you know that you're you know it's or you don't know, or that you're a new brewer, mm-hmm. you know, or that you're, you know, cheap or something like that. And, you know, the beer isn't that important to you. So I always avoided those. Yeah. I, you know, I see those, you know, for me, it doesn't affect me mm-hmm. as a judge, I think. But, or I try and avoid, you know, letting it color my opinion. Mm-hmm. But I see plenty of judges where they're, you know, they're just like, oh, you know, it's like short fills. Yeah. They think oh, yeah. short fills like a bad beer. It's like, no. Just taste the beer. Don't ignore the fill level. Mm-hmm. You know, as long as there's enough beer in there for you to judge. And I've I've had a, a beer that was, you know, it was down into the barrel. You yeah. Know? It yeah. was so short that, you know, we were wondering if we'd have enough to judge it. Right. And it was outstanding. Mm-hmm. Absolutely fantastic. And you don't know why that, that has happened. Maybe it was the last of the beer and right. they thought it was so great that they want to send it in or, you know, and then it doesn't necessarily mean it's oxidized. Right. You know, they could have flushed it. It could be, you know, just bottled yesterday or who knows. Mm-hmm. So don't let that, you know, or high fills or low fills, you know, they're like, well, you know, the carbonation's too low or too high. Well, yeah, if you're bottle conditioning, maybe it has some effect. But again, it could still be perfectly conditioned yeah, as far as yeah. CO2 goes. So just ignore that. It shouldn't affect the points. You'll see judges doing that, knocking points off for that. but They shouldn't be. They shouldn't. They, yeah. it, it, it's more about the beer. It's not about you know packaging. If you yeah. want to, there's competitions for packaging, <laughs> <laughs> package design and all that stuff. You know, those judges should go judge those those competitions. Right. Yeah. All right. Uh, why don't we do this? Let's take a another short break, and when we come back, we'll wrap up and answer questions in the chat. Sound Sounds good? Sounds good. All right, back after this. I love beer. I'm a brewer. I brew it. I drink it. It's in my blood, really. I'm that guy that pours malt extract on his pancakes. I wish I could just put a good brew in my pocket and take it with me. Now you can. 
Hey, brewers and beer lovers, why not eat the energy bar invented by a home brewer using the same ingredients in your brew? Introducing Brew Bar Energy Bars, spelled B-R-U-B-A-R. Malt, oats, vanilla, nuts, cinnamon, coconut. You've put them in your beer, and you'll find them in your Brew Bar Energy Bar. All natural, made with simple ingredients chosen for the highest quality. They're new, different, and have a rich malty flavor and smooth, moist texture, just like a fine craft brew. You can find Brew Bar Energy Bars at BrewBar.com or find a retailer near you. And if you are a retailer, you should contact them and find out how you can sell Brew Bar Energy Bars. Check them out at BrewBar.com. That's B-R-U-B-A-R.com. And follow them on Facebook at Facebook.com slash BrewBar. Remember, it's in your Brew Bar Energy Bar because it's in your brew. Hey, what are you doing, man? Writing a review of WLP 400. What? You're reviewing yeast? Yeah. White Labs has home brewer reviews of all their strains. Are you new to these interwebs? Check it out. That's awesome. White Labs, your source for great yeast, invites all brewers to visit whitelabs.com to read and write your own reviews of all their yeast strains. Get real-world tips and tricks from other brewers who have made the most of their vials and post your own experiences. It's another way White Labs brings you closer to the best yeast on the planet. And send. There you go. You misspelled flocculate, dude. What? Ah. White Labs. It's all in the vial. Downtown Joe's, located in the historic Oberon Building in beautiful downtown Napa, California, offers an award-winning brew pub experience from 8.30 a.m. to 1 a.m. every day. For 15 years at the corner of 2nd and Main, Downtown Joe's has been voted Best Night Spot seven times and Best Brew Pub for the last four years in a row. Brewmaster Colin Kaminsky's handcrafted ales, like his Tailwagon Amber Ale and Double Secret Probation IPA, are the perfect accent to riverside dining, live music, and a relaxing outdoor patio. Don't miss the Beer of the Month, Special Rotating Taps, and the BN Army Member Special. Wear your BN gear, get 10% off your beer. Visit downtownjoes.com to make reservations, peruse their extensive calendar of events, or just read more about their fantastic beers. Come enjoy the fine beer, food, and music. Downtown Joe's, the award-winning brew pub where you'll feel at home. I've always thought that opening a brewery was a great way to ruin what is the perfect hobby. But like most home brewers, I really wanted to see what it would be like to produce my own beer commercially. When I started out, I was, you know, obscure homebrew geek. And being part of the Brewing Network has exposed me to a lot of people with a great passion for brewing. They seem so supportive, interested, and generous with their support. That kind of thing makes you feel like you can succeed at anything. Of course I'm excited. It's frightening. It's terrifying. It's kind of, uh, we've got this rescue dog, and she is completely frightened. So when she comes up to me, she's shaking and salivating at the same time. I feel the same way with Heretic. I'm still a home brewer at heart, and I hope that home brewers always feel welcome at Heretic and able to provide part of the feedback and creativity that makes craft brewing great. The thing that excites me most is the opportunity to put a beer out there that I feel is the best beer I can make and especially get a chance to go and drink that beer with people and 
see their reactions and get their feedback and hopefully they'll be as excited as I am about Heretic Beer. Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients in the best customer service in the business. Cut hours off your brewing sessions by using one of our 11 varieties of famous Williams malt extract. Our Williams Belgian Pale Extract is mashed with pure Belgian two-row malt and a small percentage of Belgian wheat malt for an authentic Belgian character you just can't get from other extracts. Or check out our unique fermenters, two-and-a-half-gallon kegs, paintball tank-based draft beer equipment, bottling aids, and much more. We even have our own line of precision hydrometers. Go to williamsbrewing.com to browse our vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 3.30 p.m. Pacific time ship the same day. Brewing is easy. The Williams way. This is www.thebrewingsnetwork.com. Sit down next to it, grab yourself a paper towel, and watch those yeast have sex. You're listening to The Brewing Network. Like the Lance Armstrong of the beer world. Except for that nut thing. This is Bruce Strong. Get a paper towel there. All right. Fellas, are you looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Been fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com, and for a limited time only, you get 50% off just about any item. But that's not all. When you select your one item at 50% off, you also receive three free adult DVDs for a little inspiration, plus a free extra gift so essential we can't mention on the radio. And to top it all off, we'll even throw in free shipping on your entire order. And no, we're not teasing. So check out adamandeve.com today for this special offer. Get 50% off one item when you type Jamil, J-A-M-I-L, for the offer code upon checkout. Uh, when you do, you get the three free DVDs, a free extra gift, and free shipping. Just use the offer code J-A-M-I-L at adamandeve.com. All right, so uh, let's wrap up this uh, uh, show about uh, entering competitions. Uh, we got some uh, questions from the chat, uh, JP. Yes, we do. Bike Foolery wants um, wants you guys to discuss the best strategy for the special beer descriptions. So when you're entering the specialty categories, yeah, that's uh, a, how, to, how to how do you tackle those categories? That's an excellent question. Yeah. Um, you know, and a, and a big part of being successful in the specialty categories is how you fill out that information. The point is, I, I see it all the time. Brewers say, well, you know, I added a little bit of honey and, um, you know, I did try some strawberries and I'm like, do you taste honey or strawberries in there? No. Tastes <laughs> just like a robust porter. Well, then it's a robust porter. Doesn't matter what you put in it, you know, or you brew a robust porter and it tastes like cherries for some reason, then, um, you know, it's a cherry robust porter. It really say, isn't, yeah. you know, critical that you put in, you know, cherries. So my advice is describe the beer, you know, to yourself, taste it or have other people taste it. And if it's so subtle that it can't be tasted, don't write it down. Because when you write it down, then it's required to be in the beer. I see. Yeah. 
they're going to be looking for that. Judges will be looking for that flavor. Right. Yeah, it's almost like the first thing you look for. Yeah. In the judging that I've done, where you know this is supposed to be you know made with coconut oil or whatever, mm-hmm. and that's you what, expect to that's taste what coconut, you expect, right? Yeah. Vanilla bean or something like that. Yeah. 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 Or chocolate or whatever. And if it's not there, then boom, you're down quite a few points. Right. You know your flavor's wrong. So you know you you know, and it's essentially saying your process is bad because we don't taste the chocolate that you said was in there. Right. So right. you may have added it, but you know, and if if you have uh, added chocolate and it just turned out so subtle, you can recognize it, but it's so subtle. I'd just enter it as you know, let's say it's a stout. Just enter it as that stout, and then maybe the judges go, "Ooh, it has kind of a nice chocolatey flavor. I like that." You know, it's well, real you, subtle, but you know, it's that doesn't mean it's not you know an oatmeal stout. Well, would you enter that in the specialty category, or would you enter it in no. the stout category? Stout category, yeah, regular stout yeah. category. If it tastes like a great oatmeal stout, and and one of the things you notice is, "Ooh, it has kind of this subtle, nice, you know, chocolatey note." You know, where nobody would think, "Oh, you added chocolate." Or it would be, you know, well, maybe they did. Mm-hmm. You know, then you just enter in the regular category. Okay. Because in the chocolate category, it's got to taste like, you know, you added chocolate. Another thing I've, I've done is uh, is made notes. Because you can make notes in the mm-hmm. specialty comments. Mm-hmm. Um, when I've entered my, my beers that I made with uh, Cocoa Nibs. Mm-hmm. Right. Because the first time I, I entered with Cocoa Nibs, it's a relatively unknown ingredient. Right. And so I got comments back, did not taste chocolate. Well, you're not supposed to because it's not chocolate. It's cocoa. It's cacao, right? Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. not chocolate at all. Mm-hmm. So um, is that something you can do also is just make notes and say, hey, this right. it, this is how mm-hmm. my ingredient should taste regardless of what you know it says. Right, this is, right. how, this is, how you're, this is what you should be well, looking for. Well, especially if you have a, a very unusual ingredient. Uh, sometimes we'll get uh, ingredients listed that you know mm-hmm. nobody has ever heard of. It's some weird fruit or something. Or we we're not even sure if it's a fruit, a nut, a, you know, yeah, yeah. a leaf, uh, you know, whatever it might be. And um, you know, getting some guidance as to you know it's a tropical fruit that you know is reminiscent of you know, citrus and, you know, whatever, that's really helpful for for the judges when it's something, you know, unusual like that. Makes sense, yeah. All right. Any other questions from the chat? That was really it. All right. Cool. Well, I think that's another fine Can You Brew It? Um, if you're listening can live. Can You Brew It? Can you brew it? <laughs> brew Strong. <laughs> there you go. It would have been a crappy Can You Brew It? <laughs> I'm a really good Bruce Strong. So, uh, thanks all for doing listening. So well. I know. Was it cloned? After that, was, yeah. Well, I'm tired. We've uh, we've been at we've been, we've been at CBC all week, and if you're listening live, we're going to be talking about our, our week at CBC and what we learned. Uh, otherwise, um, you know, it's a good time to go check out BlickmanEngineering.com. Check out TheBrewingNetwork.com. Right. Uh, lots of good stuff you can do to support uh, our our. Uh, our supporters and uh, our uh, our sponsors, and uh, <clears throat> please always remember and don't ever forget. Um, this episode is brought to you by Shankman's Rubbing Compound. When something needs rubbing, think Shankman's. Okay, Bruce Strong, well, Bruce Strong, everybody.
This is Sit down next to it, grab yourself a paper towel, and watch those yeast have sex. You're listening to the Guru Network.